Good everyone. Welcome to the first live Q and A slash chat in a in a quite a long time. Um, if this is your first time on the channel, or you know maybe first time just visiting one of these live streams, um, how it works or how it normally works is uh, you guys just fire through any questions that you've got, um, and yeah i'll answer them maybe we can just have a little chat about certain topics that you want to talk about um yeah basically just talk all things sports betting so it's been a while i think it's it's probably been you know six months to a year since i've done one of these so um i'm sure there's plenty to catch up on and and plenty to talk about i've got a few things um yeah on my list here that i'm keen to discuss myself but yeah if you guys have got any questions I can interrupt myself here and there and um get to it Daniel Chill Gaming he's back good to see you mate um Mark Walsh evening Alex great to see you too Mark um few few similar or few names I'm recognizing here from uh from a while ago so it's uh yeah been been quite busy doing my own stuff lately so it's been it's been pretty hard to to get some content out there for all you guys but yeah trying to work it into my calendar as much as possible but the live streams are always tough with the time difference here in Australia and um and yeah I just like to get a lot of my work done in the morning so it's it's a bit tough at times but it's been a quiet week this week so I thought why not um so yeah start uh Feel free to start rifling through any any questions you guys have got, whether that's about sports betting, the TradeMate software. Um, yeah, I'm really open to answering anything. Good to uh, good to see we've got a new fella coming along here. I'm not going to try and pronounce your name, mate, because I'll botch it in some way and disrespect you. So I'll leave that. But good to have you on. And Daniel's got his first question. How's the UFC going? Any other sports you bet on now? Um, yeah, UFC is going pretty well, mate. So that's kind of my main sport at the moment that I'm, well, basically my only sport that I'm handicapping myself or originating, if you want to call it that, coming up with my own prices. So that takes up most of my time throughout the week, just doing uh, doing tape and research, you know, et cetera, et cetera, on all the, the UFC fights that are coming up on the weekend so this has been a good week because there's no ufc this weekend just the the dana white contender series fights which were yesterday so um so yeah no it's been been a quiet week for me but yeah that takes up most of my week at the moment just uh yeah looking at the prop markets a little bit of money line here and there on the ufc and uh yeah trying to find some bets there every week um and then the other stuff i'm betting Mostly just outside of that, I've got my, you know, my own contacts that are, are strong in other sports, you know, whether that be football, um, you know, uh, tennis, golf, you know, all these other sports. So, yeah, obviously, yeah, still using trade, mate. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's lots of lots of other stuff that I'm doing. But, um yeah, in terms of the stuff that takes up most of my time, it's yeah, working working on the UFC and yeah, spending most of my week um, doing uh, as thorough analysis as possible on on the fights. So thanks for that, mate. 
got some more people showing up. Salvador, greetings. Greetings to you too, mate. Jarnell, good to see you, mate. Um, BV Mark, BV Mark, evening, mate. Um, Salvador, he asks, any advice in league baseball now? Mate, I am not going to give you any advice on baseball because I've got no idea at all. I haven't I haven't bet baseball for a very long time. Used to do a little little bit of stuff, um little bit of stuff on the on trade mate. But I've kind of been steering away from betting American sports with trade mate. There's just it's just not some it's not a market that I know very well. So I get a little bit worried when yeah, you might get a load of closing line value on American sports with with Pinnacle on trade mate. But um, just certain people that I've talked to on the podcast and just uh, in private conversations, you just you pick up that Pinnacle's not. I mean, it's obviously a sharp market, but not the most the sharpest market out there when it comes to US sports. I get the feeling that it's you know other bookmakers like Bet Chris. Um, so I've been a little bit hesitant to. I mean, uh, your 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 um your your question's got nothing really, or it's not really asking anything to do with trade, mate. But if I was to bet baseball, it probably would be through the software, um, and yeah, it's just not something that I feel confident in um, in using the trade mate software for in terms of the US market. I just feel like there could potentially or maybe there is sharper bookmakers out there that we could be tracking. Um, and I think you I think when you get started you just you make you when you get started embedding you just I think as as I've gone on I've become less I've become less risky with my with my betting. Like I understand what what definitely works and what could potentially work. And the ones that could potentially work, I just feel like it's not worth it's not worth the risk anymore. It could be a big ROI, it could be a negative ROI. It's just not really worth the, the risk anymore. Why why risk it when you when you actually have certain strategies that are there that you know are profitable? Um, why not just hone in on those and, and and not waste your time and potentially your money too? I'm um, doing things anyway. I've gone on a bit of a rant there. But let's move on. Looks like some of the gents here are uh, uh, having a conversation with each other. It's lovely to see, fellas. Uh, Janelle, do you find the UK softs are gold dust for your style of betting, or are you able to do well off the exchanges, Top Sport, any other sharps? Well, I mean, I don't really use UK bookmakers as such, but I, you know, the softs in the UK are pretty similar to the ones in in Australia. So, so I guess I can just relate to that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, when it my biggest, uh, I mean, all of my betting, I would say seventy seventy ish percent of my betting goes through soft bookmakers. So. Um, and generally, your biggest edges are going to be on on the soft bookmakers. So you know, ones like especially Bet three six five, they've normally got the most markets and generally best prices uh, over here. Paddy Power Sports Bet, 
uh, points, but uh, Ladbrokes, all these, all these bookmakers, they're generally going to have bigger edges in the sharper markets. So I'm able to do with my betting. I'm able to do a little bit of golf, obviously, on the on the exchanges. Do a little bit of oh, very rarely do a little bit of. Um, you can do you know, obviously like your money line UFC stuff on the exchanges. Uh, you can do prop markets like the like X fighter to win by knockout or submission. You can do that on the exchanges, but unless it's a pay per view card, I normally find that the liquidity just isn't there. So that's normally something that pretty rarely that I can use the exchanges for that. Um, and uh, what were some other? Yeah, what other things can I use? Top sport. His sharps, um, yeah. I mean, some of the tennis stuff that I do, you'd be using the sharper markets. So, I mean, it's it's a real it's a real range. But um, normally, when it comes to the prop markets for UFC, it's going to be your bet three six five sports bet lag ladbrokes or Neds over here. Um, these kind of guys, not bookmakers. Um, yeah, that's where you're going to find bigger edges than like, you know, Pinnacle released their props on the UFC, you know, one day before, not even that, maybe like 12 hours. Um, uh, top Sport top sport are good, great, great for uh, UFC props. So, yeah, hopefully that answers your question, mate. I can tell what prices are wrong with Top Sport on you, Greyhound Racing. All right. I'm having a chat here about greyhounds, which I will, um, which I will not be able to insert any value into because I know nothing about greyhounds. Sorry, fellas. Uh, in percentage, how much of your income comes from TradeMate soft books? Yeah, okay. Compared to TradeMate Asians and others, well, I don't. I only use TradeMate just because. Um, Australia is a little bit different to how you guys can use the software. TradeMate only really uses two Australian bookmakers, so that would be um, Bet365 and Sportsbet. Sportsbet's basically the same mods as Paddy Power. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't bet any Asian books at all with TradeMate. So... Yeah, 100% of my income comes from on using TradeMate comes from uh, comes from the soft books. But in terms of you know overall, all of my betting, where does my income come from? Um, I'd say like you know maybe 60, 70% of my bets are going through the are going through soft books, roughly something like that. Yeah. BV Mark, BV Mark, so good you had to say it twice. Alex, how well do you do at UFC? Are you using any kind of models or algorithms? No, mate, I don't use any models or algorithms at all. I basically just have a my own spreadsheet where I've got um, breakdowns of every single fighter that I've just watched over time. You know, every time they have a fight on the weekend, I'll just write all my notes on that fighter into the spreadsheet. And just keep updating it every time they fight. Um, and I basically just use, you know, that spreadsheet just so I've got a real good historical summary of every single fighter. You know, most of the fighters I know, you know, if you ask me about X fighter, I'll be able to tell you a lot about their style. But it's just good to refresh your mind and get into more intricate details. 
and then yeah every week i'll whenever they're fighting next i'll i'll watch their most you know recent fight maybe go back to some of their previous fights if they've got similar style matchups coming up and uh and yeah i just price them that way mate it's all kind of within my head in terms of the the pricing i don't use any model or anything like that the only like if you want to talk numbers the only real like intricate stuff that i do is if uh let's just say conor mcgregor's uh 50 50 chance of winning on the weekend is odds at 2.0 or i think is odds at 2.0 then you can kind of uh use percentages and stuff like that to 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 figure out what is if you're looking into the prop markets what are his chances of winning by knockout submission these kind of things then i kind of you know start to use uh you know more intricate percentages stuff like that but yeah mate it's basically all in my head and how well do i do uh rough about a 10 percent roi at the moment I, I haven't been performing too well on the on the major markets or at least as strongly on the major markets like money line over unders that kind of stuff but um yeah my, my my prop stuff has been really good which is understandable it's a softer market so um yeah, trying to just trying to go through a few things at the moment, adjusting my staking so that I'm staking more on props um, compared to compared to money line. But generally, that's going to cause a little bit more variance. The props are, um, you know, generally going to be bigger in odds than your money line bets. So, yep. All right, Daniel Chill Gaming says, "How how you been able to keep soft bookmakers longer now?" would imagine less bets or more picky harder to limit you um well yeah i mean in terms of my own accounts the only accounts that i've got left that are in my name that are soft bookmakers uh or any bookmaker are just basically all of my sharp accounts or exchange accounts i don't think off the top of my head I've got some decent soft bookie accounts that are limited, but they've they've only been limited to maybe um, maybe a couple hundred dollars to win. So they're still handy to use. Um, but in terms of like complete free, you know, unlimited books that I've got, it's uh, soft books. That is, I don't think I have any any left at all. Um, unless a new bookmaker's just opened up that I've started. I mean, yeah, maybe I've got one or two, but, you know, not mu- not getting much volume through through those ones because they're new bookmakers. They're probably not as great as your 365 sports bet lagbrokes, these kind of guys. So, so that basically means that, yeah, most of my accounts that I've got now, soft accounts, are all through other people that have given me their accounts. So, yeah, that's kind of how it works at the moment. And, I mean, that's the reality for everyone in the uh, in the, in the industry that's doing this professionally or semi-professionally, whatever. Janelle, must have been great to see Tristan from Topsport. Seemed a really good fair guy. Yeah, trem- it was a tremendous uh, couple of hours I was there at Topsport. This was about three months ago now. Um yeah, it was a great day out there. Um, one of the the rare bookmakers that I set up here on the Gold Coast, so it was only it's only a 15, 20 minute drive for me. And um, yeah, it was it was really cool to see the inside of a bookmaker. You know, see see 
how uh, you know how it's all set up um and just being in that environment and, and seeing you know how everything works tristan's you know i've obviously seen him on uh you know podcasts and whatever or done podcasts with him in the past and had chats with him so yeah i knew that he was a good fella but yeah even even better in person terrific fella just um yeah so accommodating for everything that we wanted to get shot um and you know you know one of the very rare guys in the in the bookmaking industry that'll actually tell you everything and um and, and you know <laughs> give you his honest opinion on everything and, and and not shy away from the tough questions so yeah it was a great great day got a question here from mortis capital he says would you recommend avoiding bet365 in basketball or baseball for example I know from people inside Pinnacle that they actually copy 365 prices for opening these lines on the smaller leagues. Yeah, well, as I've said, I'm not, this isn't my uh, particular point of expertise, basketball and baseball, but that kind of, you know, that kind of make, I could, I could understand that that could, that could make it, um, that, that could make sense. Um, what I would say is that, yeah, opening prices on these smaller leagues. I mean, yeah, in a lot of cases, Bet365 will take more money on a smaller league in any sport uh, than, than a pinnacle will. And I, I think um, the most important thing with, with, with betting on smaller leagues is to look at the if – you, if you're using pinnacle as a benchmark, is to look at um, look at the limits on Pinnacle or whatever sharp you want to use. Let's just say we'll use Pinnacle. Look at the limits on Pinnacle and see, and also look at the, if you can, you can see the movement in the odds, see if there's been, you know, any any movement up and down, like there's been basically sports bettors trying to decide what the price should be. Um, and then also how long the market's been out for, all this kind of stuff. Because if you're using Pinnacle as a benchmark and the market's been out for one day, the limits are very low, you know, maybe like a couple hundred dollars. I, I would never use them as a benchmark in that case because there's a good chance um yeah there's a good chance that it's well the, the market hasn't matured so there's a good chance that those odds are not really reflective of the true probability of the of the outcome of the game so and there's a good chance that bet 365 probably take bigger bets than than pinnacle would opening lines on a small league um so and and, and know that like a sharp sports better or a syndicate these these very high end sports betters. If the price is, should, uh, oh, what's I don't know a smaller league basketball team. Um, if if the price is two or one point nine at Pinnacle, the price is one point nine at three six five for the exact same bet. They're gonna hit bet three six five first because if they hit Pinnacle. There's a good chance the market will follow, and then they won't be able to get anywhere else. So, 
they're going to hit the soft bookies first because they generally are not going to move the market in a certain way. They'll just take the bet, cop it, move on generally. Um, so, yeah, I would – I've gone on a bit of a tangent, but, yeah, hopefully that's answered your question, mate. Uh, BV Mark, Jarnell, do you know anyone who is sharp? Jarnell, mate, you got some got a question there yourself, mate. You're just as busy as me. Connell Riley, when pricing up a market, how do you arrive at your percentages? Are you using quantitative models or your own methods? Do you use any machine learning or people that do? Uh, no, mate, I kind of explained this a little bit earlier, about five, ten minutes ago, that I kind of just, with the, with the only thing I, re, I handicap myself is, um, is UFC or MMA. So, yes, I am basically using... I'm not using any numbers or anything like that. And I'm not saying this is the perfect way to do it, the only way to do it, or the anything like that. There are there are so many different ways to skin a cat. There's so many different ways to beat the market. This is just a, a method that works for me. I'm modeling something that I've never really looked into, not, nothing that I've really tried. It's not something that excites me really. You know, modeling spreadsheets, all this numbers, it doesn't uh i don't think i could do this if that was my main way of beating the market i've got nothing nothing i'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing it this way it's just not not my style i'd rather be a bit more intuitive and use my my brain um well i mean that's kind of insulting to model as i don't mean <laughs> but using uh just just yeah my knowledge of betting and my knowledge of the ufc and, and put them together so how do i arrive at percentages well it's it's hard to explain, but when it comes to the prop markets, how I arrive at percentages would be like just it, like I said before, Conor McGregor. If, if I think he's got a fifty percent chance of winning the fight in general, I'll then try and divvy that up into percentages of what uh, what his chances of winning by knockout are, what their chances of submission are, decision, this kind of stuff. Um, how I arrive at those percentages? Well, there's 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 obviously a lot of different factors that would go into it into that what's his opponent's chin like what's if i wanted to price up a knockout for example what's his opponent's chin like uh has he has the opponent been knocked out before um uh, how much power has conor mcgregor got how much how often does he finish his opponents by knockout um stylistically striking wise how do they how do they marry up against each other? Who's the better striker? Uh, what's their defense like? You know, all these different things. So it's impossible to really give you a good answer on how I arrive at a percentage, but they're obviously some of the factors that I will look at. How good is their cardio? All this kind of stuff, like, you know, etc. cetera. Uh, Philip, do I bet on rugby league? Um, no, I, I do, but... Most of the time, it's kind of muggy, kind of fun stuff. Just because you know, it's probably my favourite sport or one of top two sports that I that I watch. Um, so yeah, I do. And in terms of sharp stuff, normally not that sharp. I would say that I would bet more. I bet on more seriously on markets that are not mature or mature is not the right word are not um so like i i rarely bet on the nrl for example just because i know that's a, a big market i don't watch every game every week um so i know that there'll be smarter guys out there than me but if there's like international games coming up where there's not like a 
they don't have a season of data behind them where I know the players well. I know I can have a better judge. So I'll always I'll I'll bet on rugby league at the start of the season probably when there's when there's no data of how these teams are going to perform other than their you know than their previous seasons if you know but you have to put a spin on that because you know they could be a completely new team. Um, so at the start of the season where there's not much data around, there's just like the team list, the coach, um, you know, whatever's happened in the off season, last season, those kind of things. But as the season goes on, if you're not watching the games uh, or, you know, you got a model or whatever, then, um, then it's going to be pretty hard to beat the market because you're basically just going off your opinion on a team when you don't have all the facts because you haven't been watching all the games. So I will bet on rugby league, like international games where there's not like, um, you know, lots of games behind them, lots of data, because then I'm kind of on a more of a level playing field with all the other sharps, if you get what I mean. So, yeah. And also I like to do futures on the NRL. That's a good one. I've been quite successful with the, like, uh, outright. You call it outright futures. What's the other word that the um, anti-post that you guys use in the UK? So, yeah. Uh, do you assign weights to your info to arrive at the prices? Well, yeah, but it's all kind of in my head, mate. So, like, what's more, like, yeah, so... I guess a good example is if I wanted to bet someone to win by knockout, I would assign more weight to maybe someone having a really bad chin over someone having knockout power. I don't know, that doesn't really make sense. Hopefully that makes sense. So, like, um, I think you're a better chance. Let's just say you've got a better chance of getting a knockout if the guy opposite you has it because everyone's got some sort of power. It's not like, you know, some guys have got more power than others, but generally these are professionals. So they've all kind of got, they've got power in their hands if they land. So, but someone's more of a chance of a knockout if the opponent has a terrible chin rather than if they have a decent chin and the other guy has lots of power. I hope that kind of makes sense. So you would have more weight on the knockout if the guy on the other side just has, you know, a not not great ability to take a punch. And then obviously, like, yeah, you can you can going back to this question is you can weight more like if you're just doing money line stuff. So if it's a um if there is a a wrestler versus a striker, you're probably normally going to weigh more heavily on the on the on the wrestler because they can control where the fight goes, especially if the other guy's got no ground game. So, um, yeah, I hope this is answering your question. Tadas Ramonas says, "Hi, can you tell me why on trade mate there is such a big difference of edge when I place a bet from the Champions League? Most of the time, the Champions League edge is similar." Oh, closing line. Sorry. <laughs> Why did I interpret that as Champions League? Sorry, I assume you meant closing line. Let's start again. Why on trade, mate, there is a, such a big difference of edge when we place a bet from the closing line. Most of the time, the closing line edge is smaller. Shouldn't the EV line be somewhere near the closing line? So, yeah. 
depending on how far away from the game you're betting. So let's just say you placed a bet on Arsenal to beat Manchester or Arsenal to beat Spurs next weekend. We are now, uh, what, 10, 9, 10 days away from that game. 10 days away from that game. So, and I, I know generally when using trade, we're not placing bets this far out. But let's just say, just for example, you did, uh, I think they're at like 2.10 or something on Pinnacle right now, Arsenal to beat Tottenham. So, firstly, there's there's very little liquidity at this time. So the market, people aren't even touching the market. But secondly, there's a long time to go before kickoff. So there's going to be lots of players coming in and putting their input into what the market price should be. So even if you do that eight hours before the game, five hours before the game, three, two, one hours before the game, that when you place the bet, it's going to it's gonna change. Um, from what it closes at to when you place the bet. Um, so, yeah, they should be, over time, you'll see um, that they will be pretty similar. So, like, if I if I can get up my own TradeMate account, I'll see that over time... Sorry, guys, give me one second so I can give you guys a comparison of... I think I've done something like 7,000 bets with trade, mate. So I'll be able to see what the difference is between my EV and closing EV over 7,000 bets. Oh, I don't know my password. Or maybe I do. Yeah, so my... My closing EV percentage is 3.7, so I've got a 3.7% edge against the market on closing, but my when I place the bet, it's 4.2%. So it's only a difference of 0.5%. Um, so that is, you know, basically, basically the same. Uh, just one moment. I need to let my dog in. One sec. All right, that is sorted. Um, where are we at? Hopefully that answers your question, mate. All right, dog's gone now. I'll close the door. All right, sorry about that. All right, next question. Would you back something you thought was value, but you thought I can't see it? Oh, my God. Sorry, I'm having dog issues here. Would you back something you thought was value, but you thought I can't see it happening, but your numbers were telling you to back it? Yeah, so like for TradeMate, for example, I would uh, if if there was something you know coming up on on TradeMate. I'll normally I'll normally take it. The only time I wouldn't normally take stuff on TradeMate is if um, if it said if I wanted to just enjoy watching the Arsenal match or something, and they were saying to back, you know, Tottenham to win or even, yeah, the draw or something like that. I'd rather just, you know, just for me, I just want to watch the game and cheer on Arsenal. So that's the only time I wouldn't. Um, it, it's a good question though because 
yeah, there are times in UFC fights where you can look at a you know a fight and go, you know, I think that's value, but bloody hell, it's uh, it's a tough bet to take just because you know maybe it's a certain fight, fight fighter's stylist style, sorry, God, fighter style or um, how they perform lately, um, maybe just like a luck, lack of trust in them. Um, these kind of things. So, yeah, I, I know what you mean. And, and sometimes, like, <laughs> you can place a bet where um, maybe you've got a really strong wrestler, let's just say, and a really good striker, and you know the wrestler can take down the striker over three rounds, but the wrestler is also just a terrible striker. So at any point, if it does go on the feet, it's just going to be a very stressful time for you, especially if they struggle to take them down. So there can be bets where you just don't want to place them just because you know it's going to be a really uh, a really stressful watch. But maybe in those cases, you just uh, you just don't watch the fight. So um, generally, if I think something's value, yes, I will back it. Uh, yeah. Trader Lucrativo says, Good afternoon. I'm from Espirito Santo, Brazil, and I'm looking for knowledge on forums in Brazil. Good to have you around, mate. Fire through any questions you like. Yeah, I think this is uh, Mortis Capital replying to my answer from 10 minutes ago. I'm a bit slow to get through these questions. Sorry, guys. Um, he's basically saying, so what Pinnacle does is taking the 365 price and then add a digital margin to those prices, which made me skeptical for using PIN as a benchmark, especially for lower tier baseball, basketball. I would say for football, it's different. Yes, I would agree, mate. Bet365 haven't got a clue what the majority of books, or haven't got a clue, majority of books are really bad at pricing up without the use of Betfair, which can guide them. Yeah, it's a fair statement, Mark. Daniel, Arsenal is flying these days. You must be happy, mate. I couldn't be couldn't be happier there. Um, and the good thing is, is I don't think it's it's not luck. It's not like they're just going through a good good run through luck. I think they're they're genu- uh, genuinely a very, very good side, uh, well-coached. Very young team too, so it's it's you know Arteta's just worked wonders there, and uh, I think they're very, I think generally, or I might be changing, but I I I've seen that I think that they're undervalued by the market um, at the moment in most cases, just on opening prices. Like the other day, I mean, I think they're still Liverpool are still favourites to beat them in. I think it's in two weeks' time that they're playing. Arsenal are at home. Liverpool are still favourite, favoured to beat them. Or they they were like two dollars, two point two or two point three. Liverpool were a couple of days ago. Now Arsenal have come in since then. But um, I think it's I think it's important to maybe Liverpool have got some people coming back from injury. I've got no idea, but I thought that was very interesting. Um. I think that I, I, this is a topic I wanted to talk about later, but I think it's important for people to update their opinions about, about you know, Arsenal, just because they collapsed at the end of last season, you have to look and, and see how they, why they collapsed at the end of last season. They were missing some of their 
key players. You know, they were missing Thomas Party. They didn't have a great straw. They had Eddie and Kedia playing up front, who's levels below uh, Jesus. They had a younger Martinelli. They had a younger Saka. Um, they didn't have Saliba. They didn't have Zinchenko. Like, you've really got to, you know, update how you're thinking about all these. They had, they didn't have Tommy Arthur, who was key, who was key in their in their run last year. So <clears throat> you can't look at how they collapsed at the end of last season and say, you know, they're not going to make top four. I mean, I can almost guarantee Arsenal are going to make top four this year. They are levels above Chelsea, Manchester United. I know they lost to Manchester United, but they are levels above those teams. Um, and arguably, arguably they're the second best team in the league. So anyway, I'm coming from a bias standpoint here probably, but um, look at all the underlying data this season. They are clearly this, the first, second best team in the league at the moment. Uh, Daniel, follow on. Klopp likes, likes Saka a lot. Are you scared he will leave? No, I am not. Sorry, mate. There's no way he's going to leave Arsenal. If he did leave Arsenal, maybe go to like Manchester City or, or something. I don't know. But um, I don't think he's going to leave Arsenal, mate. Klopp also likes Martinelli too. So it's like, you know, he seems to like all the Arsenal players. Uh, will I be betting in the Rugby League World Cup? Yeah, I think I will, mate. Um Obviously, I need to do a research on a lot of the teams. Like, there's like Jamaica's in there. Um, you know, these other teams like Lebanon. Um, you know, e- even teams like Tonga and, and Samoa. They're um, yeah, they're going to have a lot of players that that oh, not a few players that maybe you've never heard of before. So yeah, it, I think that's a. Um, I will definitely be betting on the Rugby World Cup, and it'll be really interesting to see, um, yeah, how how they're priced. Um, Just uh, there's, I'm no, I'm not going to go into it because I think that's my edge. But it's just interesting to see some of the what teams are kind of favoured at the moment, and just looking at how their teams made up and um, and yeah, how they're priced. Very interesting stuff. I think, uh, yeah, World Cups are a good opportunity for guys who don't watch, you know, the regular kind of seasons to to insert their their feelings into it all. Tom Payne, do you have the minimum bet laws everywhere in Australia and is it on every sport? No, mate, it's just horse racing. So oh, from the top of my head, it's all your big metropolitan races. So that's just a fancy word for you know, your um your biggest races here in Australia in, in the big meets in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, uh Western Australia. So I believe the 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 laws are the same yeah everywhere in Australia in terms of like how much you can bet. But per state I think it's different in terms of like um you may not like as Say you wanted to bet, like if there's a difference in the rules of the minimum bets from state to state in terms of what state you're betting into. So, like, I think in in Brisbane, for example, you might be able to the the minimum bet laws come in at like nine a.m. on race day, um, whereas in Sydney, maybe you can bet a day before. Those kind of that's how it can kind of be different. But, yeah, it's just on racing. And I believe it's on greyhounds too, maybe harness racing too, or we call it the trots, whatever. Um, so, 
Yes, we uh, the the and then and also like so you got your big races in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, and then they have certain limits. I think it's like you can win two thousand dollars on the win, and then if you're going to like your lower level race, not lower, but you know lower level races, um, then I think it might be like you can win a thousand or five hundred dollars or something like that. So. It's different for every like level of, of racing. If it's a massive meet, like you know, your Saturday racing, then um, then yeah, you can normally bet a bit more. But if it's a smaller meet meeting, like in a countryish kind of town, um, normally the limit the, the minimum bet law is a little bit less. So yeah. All right. I think I've caught up finally. How good's this? Um, I can go through one of the things that I wanted to talk about quickly. There was a tweet sent out from Spanky. You guys probably know who Spanky is, pro sports better, um, one of the more popular ones out there. And he sent this tweet out six days ago. And he said, it's amazing how how so many Twitter heads publicly celebrate wins with, you know, emojis like tick emojis, money bag emojis, this kind of stuff. He says, reality check, no one gives a shit about your $20 win. No one thinks you're God's gift to sports handicapping. No one is fooled that you make a living versus talk about betting. Thank you. So, I mean, Spanky's a Spanky's a good fella. He's a, he's a great guy. You know, I've done, I've met him on the, on the, we did a live stream about a year ago and, you know, talked to him before and after. He's a great fella. Um, but I agree with, you know, most of the stuff that he says on this tweet. I mean, I, I, the whole like celebrating you having a win or whatever on Twitter with a few emojis is, is, you know, it's not really my thing. I just, kind of just like to stick you know keep to myself and and a one win or two wins three wins 10 wins in sports betting it's like it's just so it's so not important for me it's just like the big picture months years this kind of stuff so it's just very short term to be celebrating a singular win and and be doing this but it what it what it kind of brought up for me was that I just don't think there's any like the biggest thing I see in sports betting or in a lot of things is there's no absolutes. There's no like it's either people want to people want to put things in black or white. People want to um, let's just say, for example, um, with this tweet, just because someone celebrates a win doesn't mean that they're uh, uh, not a good sports better. I would say probably most of the people that are on Twitter putting emojis up, giving out tips, um, celebrating their win, uh, maybe they, you know, delete a few tweets that they sent out earlier with their tip and that didn't win. These kind of guys that are really heavy on Twitter and have huge followings, I would say that most of those people are not profitable sports bettors, but I'm sure some of them are. 
And I think with a tweet like this, Spanky's basically out there saying that anyone that does this is a scam maybe or, you know, someone that's not a, um, making a living from sports betting. So I think this is just a trap that a lot of people in the sports betting industry fall into is that um, everyone wants to put absolutes on everything. It's either black or white. There's no grey at all. Yes, I'm sure that most people that constantly do this kind of stuff on Twitter are not professional or are not making a living from sports betting, even though they say they are maybe. But I think um, I think it's always there's just no it's not it's not entertaining, is it, to be in the grey area? If I said if I went on Twitter and said um, I think most people that put up uh, emojis and celebrate their wins all the time on on Twitter. Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. If I put a tweet up and said, I think most of the people that celebrate their wins on Twitter uh, and, you know, putting tips out there all the time, et cetera, et cetera, I think most of those people are not making a living from sports betting. It's not very, it's a less entertaining way. Like I could make it more entertaining or more uh, or more interactive for people, you know, get more hits on the tweet if I said, if you see someone who puts an emoji out with their with their betting or whatever and celebrates every single win um and is a twitter tipster they are not they are not profitable sports bettors like that's more entertaining it's more controversial than than my previous twitter saying most likely so i think i think that's kind of the reason that these um that people talk in absolutes all the time. But there are so many topics in sports betting where people want to say that this is the right way to do it or that is the right way to do it, where I just, it's always grey. It's always like, it's like anything in sports betting. You can't go out and say, you know, Arsenal are going to win this weekend. Well, no, they have a 46% chance of winning. They, whatever they they are not definitely going to win. It's impossible. Like, how often do you see a team or a player priced up at a dollar oh one or a dollar one one point zero zero? Sorry, you never see it because there's always a chance that the other team is going to win. So, anyway, I'm going on a little bit of a rant here, but um. For example, closing EV is very important, but not everyone needs it, um, especially in obviously smaller markets, this kind of stuff. You don't have to be beating the market to be profitable there. Even in big markets, there are like, I know it's very rare, but it's not 100% that if you're betting into a big market like the English Premier League, if you don't have closing line value there, I guarantee you there's people out there that make money from from the English Premier I know some of them that make money from the English Premier League and they have no closing line value. It can be done, but maybe there's like a 5%, maybe like, you know, 
out of all the people that make money on the EPL, maybe 5% of them don't get closing EV. But it's still, let's just not say it's an absolute thing. Let's not get passionate about this kind of stuff and get into arguments. Let's just have constructive conversations about it. Um, like I said before, I think most people who post bets on Twitter are probably full of shit and not trustworthy. But there are good ones. There are going to be good ones out there. So let's go no absolutes on that. Um, I would say most content creators on sports betting are probably not long-term profitable sports bettors. They probably don't do this for a living. They're just, they're entertaining. They're good. They're good at getting a group of people together, but I'm sure there are good ones out there. I'm sure there are good ones out there. Good content creator. I mean, I create content and I put out bets there every week on the UFC with Bet Rivers. And I know that I'm a long-term winner, but I think most people that do create content for, um, for certain bookmakers or whatever, I think they're probably not profitable long-term. So I'm, all I'm saying is that I think it's important that when people put out these controversial tweets or whatever or statements that are just absolute, I think they're just most of the time they're going to be wrong because there's always going to be percentage, you know, a small minority out there that actually go against the grain and perform well or perform against what you're saying. So, yeah, that's just something that I always think about. And I think it's a similar thing with, with sports betting too. And it's the reason why a lot of people don't make it in sports betting is because they think there is no chance the other team's going to win. There's, they've got no chance at all, um, et cetera, et cetera. There's always a chance. There's always some kind of percentage chance. Um, and if you think someone's a 25% chance of winning, but the odds are 4.5 or 5, then you should take that bet because it's it's value. Yeah, sure, they're not going to win most of the time because they have a 25% chance of winning. There are just There's no absolutes in sports betting and you always, like I was kind of saying before with Arsenal, don't use last year's Arsenal as a, as a way of handicapping this year's Arsenal. You always have to update your opinions on everything. So, yeah, bit of a rant. But uh, I just think it's important that when people are discussing this stuff on Twitter that um, people need to be a lot more analytical in the way they think about things. Anyway, I think I've got a lot of uh, people disagreeing with me here or maybe just have comments. I'll go back to some of these uh, questions that are, that are non-related to what I'm talking about, but I'll just... Um, Okay, so Ali Barra says, I disagree. BV Mark is the best at Greyhounds. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this kind of goes exactly with what I was just saying, that there are no absolutes. So, you know, I think that most people, like I said, I think most people on Twitter putting up bets are not to be trusted most i'm not saying all so i didn't i'm not making any accusations about bv mark or yeah or mark uh if people on twitter tell you they never had a losing month they are lying 100 agree with that so yeah i um yeah 
I think we're agreeing here. I'm not having a crack at anyone that puts bets on Twitter or whatever. Uh, I'm just saying that I reckon most people that do are not profitable long-term. All right. Um, where am I now? Okay, here's a question that I have missed. Um, when do you put your bet on rugby league if they play on Sunday? Um, oh, I don't really have any strict rules. If I was to to place a bet on on anything, really, um, on, on how far out I want to bet, my biggest thing is just making sure that all the bookmakers have got their markets out and and trying to, you know, just so you can pick and choose who's got the best price. But also, um, you know, if you if, it, it depends how you think the market will play out. Do you think that um, you know your your odds could potentially get bigger, or you know, say you wanted to bet on the 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 Rabbitohs to beat the Panthers this weekend? Do I think that the Rabbitohs? I don't know what they are now. I think they're like three twenty or something. Do I think they're going to go from three twenty to to 350 potentially then maybe i'll wait do i think that price is ridiculous and it's going to come in then maybe i'll back it now and get on quickly um you know i don't have a huge bankroll compared to some other professionals and syndicates so they're mostly going to be waiting till later in the week so they can get as much liquidity down as possible um get as much get as much money down as possible when there's more liquidity but uh, for me, not really an issue with the kind of most of the time on on the the amounts of money that I'm placing, at least. Um, Tadas, I kind of thought that the EV line and the closing line always have to be near each other in the long run, because it's a fifty fifty chance moving in either direction, no matter that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a great point, mate. And it seems like just to be a trend that um, most of the time your closing line is going to be less than the average edge placed. Now, why that is, we can speculate. Maybe um, let's just say that this would be my guess. So, let's say Arsenal on pinnacle go from 2.2 all the way down to to evens to 2 and bet365 have arsenal at 2.15 so pinnacle are at 2 bet365 are at 2.15 so you're going to get alerted most likely to a uh, to a value bet there pinnacle's true odds would be probably like 2.05, let's just say, once you take out the VIG. So now you're betting on Arsenal at 2.15, but their true odds on Pinnacle at 2.05. So they Pinnacle went all the way from 2.2 all the way down to 2. May, let's just say, from one bet, from one guy that's gone out there and just lumped a heap of money on Arsenal. The guy who bet... Arsenal at 2.2 he thought Arsenal were value at 2.2 
And then Pinnacle decided to put the price all the way into two. So now you think that the true odds, you're betting on the true odds of Arsenal being 2.05 once you take out the VIG. Oh, sorry, I'm still here. And as I said before, he thought that Arsenal were value at 2.2. So maybe what's happened is they've gone, all right, Arsenal were value at 2.2. Now they've gone all the way into to two. But that's ridiculous. It's gone too far now. I actually think the true odds of Arsenal should be 2.1. So then the odds go back. Yes, they could go the other direction and keep going in and in and in. But maybe most of the time what's happening is that it was an overreaction to someone's big bet and then the the odds have gone too far down. So then they're just getting bet back a little bit. That would be my guess as to why the percentage is bigger or smaller. You're getting smaller CLV compared to what it was when you placed the bet. That would be my guess. Most of the time I feel like that scenario would happen rather than a huge move where it just keeps going down and down and down, especially, you know, hours before a game. The, the market's pretty mature by that point. There's not going to be huge moves either way. Okay. Uh, all right, I think I've just gone through this. Daniel says, I love putting 10 to $20 on a, a team that's 6, 7, 8 odds or even 11 odds uh, one hour before kickoff. Surprise how often it actually goes in. Well, yeah. I mean, it could be a case that people are overreacting to certain things. Um, you know, there's always going to be cases where, where teams are that low. Um, and, uh, oh, that high in odds, and they are they are value. Jay Meta, are you limited or restricted? Yes, mate. All Basically all of my soft accounts, soft bookie accounts in my own name are all limited or restricted. I think maybe I've got only my, like, recently opened accounts with new bookmakers here in Australia would not be uh, would not be restricted. And obviously, you know, sharper accounts too that I've got, um, they are not limited or restricted. All right. We are um we are approaching the hour mark. Bloody hell. I uh, I'm getting I'm getting tired. I don't think um I don't think I've talked for this long in a very long time. BV Mark's got a question though. How long do your accounts last for? Oh mate. Anywhere from a week to maybe four or five months maybe it depends how you it just depends how you go on them you know i've got accounts where um i've lost a lot of money on them and so that's kind of a good way to start on an account because then they think you're mug and then you know maybe you can make more than you were supposed to um but yeah i guess the betting that i'm doing it's it's normally not on very small markets so uh, I will be able to keep my account going for a lot longer. But there's a lot of small bookmakers here in Australia that um, that limit you pretty quickly. For example, I mean, but even you've got like a uni bets over here. I don't think I've ever placed more than like five bets on a uni bet account before getting restricted. It's just disgusting. They can be the worst, the worst for me, from my uh, experience at least. Um, so yeah, mate, it's, it's impossible to say how long do they last for? 
uh, it's different per bookmaker. It's different. Uh, yeah, it's just a lot different. But I, I get the feeling that Australian bookmakers are a lot more, um, a lot better than in in the UK in terms of allowing you to win for longer periods. Yeah. Jay Meta, how can people make a sustainable living off betting when you get restricted very quickly? Well, you can either go to the sharper markets where you'll be able to bet for the rest of your life or you should be able to, exchanges, these kind of things, or then you have to start looking at getting accounts from family, friends, random people if you trust them. So that's kind of the only way to do it, mate. Um, yeah. Facebook user, if you can go live to any place in the world to bet professionally, what country have the most books to go in? Oh, I would assume the UK, I would assume. Um, trying to think. Australia, I think there's like 80 bookmakers here in Australia, but they're also, a lot of them are using the exact same odds, so it doesn't really make a difference. Um, I don't know, America's getting bigger, I guess. I don't know too much about that market, but um, yeah, maybe the UK. I mean, the UK got lots of bookmakers, so. Um, but also, like I said, I think their restrictions are pretty terrible, and they've got all these um, the laws around uh, what are they called? Depositing or uh, all this kind of stuff too. It sounds like a bit of a nightmare. So, yeah. Have you heard of BetConnect? Yeah, I have heard of them. Um, I can't remember exactly what they do though. But I, um, yeah, I, don't, I, I have heard of them. I've looked into them. I just can't remember exactly what they do though. Tadas. Do you know what the hell is wrong with Daffabet because they have limited me to 10 euros after one bet? Yeah, I think they're supposed to be sharp, but I don't think they are anymore. I think it's the same with um, SBO too, also. Um, so, yeah, mate, sorry. I don't know. I've never used them, never used them, so I have no idea. But, yeah, I have heard that they are limiting more regularly. Uh, yeah, Malta, more than the UK. I just got my Maltese citizenship too, so maybe I'll have to go over there sometime soon and set up some accounts. All right, Mark, take value, Alex, and the accounts will restrict you. That's generally what's going to happen, yes. All right, you guys can rifle through your last kind of... um your last couple of questions before I get too tired. Alex, have you had accounts restricted even though you not bet with them? Uh, um, no, but I, I don't I don't think so, but I know that um you can get that in in um in in situations like uh let's just say they're all owned, but like you could have like three bookmakers that are all owned by the same company. So once you get restricted at one of them, you get restricted at all of them. So that's definitely happened. But um, in terms of, yeah, not betting with them, no, I don't think that's ever happened to me. 
but I've certainly like placed maybe one bet with someone and then they've gone, yeah, no, no, thank you. So maybe I've been able to get a couple of bets with them, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Daniel crying from Norway. No uh no sharp bookies there. Yeah, it's a shame, mate. Jerry Collins, the great Jerry Collins. Anyone knows the rugby player? Rest in peace. Um Ever had any issues with withdrawals? Do you find the management of your accounts and banking one of the most frustrating aspects of betting? Um, have I had issues with withdrawals? I don't think I ever really have. Um, I mean, I have, but never to the point where I never got paid out, just kind of like technical kind of issues. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, it's it's the least kind of fun part, and I think it's one thing that I would let to, I would um, recommend all betters to be doing is whether it be I would say every month maximum you should be tracking all of your bets, um, so you you've then got an idea of like how big your bankroll is. So let's just say um, your bankroll is twenty thousand dollars. This week you made a thousand dollars. That means you're up to twenty-one thousand dollars. The next week you make another two thousand dollars. Then you're up to twenty-three thousand. Um, what I do every second or third or fourth week is I'll go into all of my betting accounts and make sure that all of my betting accounts add up to my overall bankroll plus you know what I've just made on the weekend or whatever. Um, I, I highly recommend this because I've had cases where there's been thousands and thousands of dollars not paid out to me through the bookmaker's mistake. They're not scamming me or anything like that. They've just settled the bet incorrectly. So please make sure that every I would do this at most, at the very most, every month. Um, at the least, very least, sorry, every month. Uh, go and check that your bankroll number that you think you have currently marries up with how much money you actually have in your betting accounts because there will be cases where your bets are settled incorrectly and for someone like me, I'm not going to go in and check every bookmaker's paying me out perfectly every single bet because I've got so many bets going on. I would rather, um, I would rather, yeah, just make sure that it's marrying up your your two your two kind of um things there because there are have been for me uh cases where they haven't married up the two of them and um you either think that you've tracked your bets wrong most of the time or at least just about every one of the times it's been because a bookmaker hasn't paid me out on a certain bet uh like they should have or settled it correctly and that um could have turned into a massive issue for me. Uh, but luckily I was able to find the error that they made. So I would make sure you guys do that. Um, but I would I would counter this by saying, no, I wouldn't say withdrawals or management of my accounts is the most frustrating thing. I'd say the most frustrating thing is getting accounts and keeping accounts. That is the worst part about sports betting by far. Basilis Z says, where should I start 
for modeling NFL. Not the person to ask, sorry, mate. One, because I don't model. Two, because I don't follow the NFL. So, but I know that there are good videos out there on how to get started with modeling. If you go to uh, Captain Jack, Captain Jack YouTube channel, I think he's got some videos there on how to start a model. So, maybe give that a go. I've heard that. I've heard that's a good video. Uh, BV Mark, sorry, Alex. Bookmakers in the UK doing this. They inform others if you are a winner. Ah, uh, yes, yes, I have heard that, and that's disgraceful. Yeah, and Antonis is uh, agreeing with Mark there. They tell they tell other books you're a winner or you be a winner in the long run. Yeah, and that's. Uh, I can understand them sharing information if they're the same. So that Canby, let's just say, Canby have Unibet over in Australia, have Tab Touch uh, in in uh, in Europe. They've got Mr Green. They've got what other one? Eight 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 Sports. You know, you can half understand if they're telling Unibet or telling Mr Green. Yeah, mate, this guy's sharp. Don't allow him to open up account. That you can understand that, but. If they're going to a Bet365, a, a Paddy Power, a Ladbrokes and doing that, um, it's disgusting. It really is. And uh, it gets you frustrated on how cooked this uh, this industry can be. Yeah, I agree with all of you. All right. Um, yeah, any last questions, guys? The other thing that's been angering me lately with um, on, on Twitter is the one thing where it gives you lots of different talking points and, and things that, that, you know, frustrate me a little bit. So following on from no absolutes in sports betting, the other thing on Twitter that's really, it really gets me angry is when people say, that today I went three and two, or today I went two and three, four and five, one and three on, on my bets today. So they're basically saying that, you know, today I won one out of my two bets, so that's an equal day, or today I won three bets, but I only lost one bet, so it was a good day. Like people that give you their record, I guess, it's essentially saying their win rate. It is the most irrelevant data they could ever give you. The only way that it's useful is if they bet the exact same odds every single bet. That is the only way that that is useful information to you. If they can't give you their return on investment, their, you know, whatever, some kind of percentage of how they went today, then it's just so frustrating. It means if you tell me that you you went two for two today, so you're equal, it means nothing. You you could have bet on two the two that won could have both been priced five five in odds, and the the two that lost could have been um, or whatever. It does, it does, and and your stake, like you don't know what they're staking on these. 
you don't know, like I said, what odds they're, they're betting at. Let's just say you had equal, um, you know, flat staking for everything and the two that won were 1.5. That means that they lost. They lost overall because they would have lost more money on, you know, it, it, you guys hopefully know what I mean, but people that post their record up for the day or the, the year or whatever all time and they say that they have this percentage win rate or um, this like, you know, I've won 50 bets, I've lost 40, it means absolutely nothing to me and it should mean nothing to all of you guys unless every single bet they place is the exact same stake and is the exact same odds. So that's my little rant for today, something that gets me very frustrated. So for those out there, if you're going to post your record on Twitter, wherever you want to post it, please put up your return on investment or something that shows um, that... it's a fair reflection of what you are as a sports better. So, yeah, there's my last little rant today. Last chance for you guys to get some questions in. I'll give you a minute, but I think that will do me for today. It's been great being back, and we've had a decent audience here. So thanks, everyone, for your for your interaction, for your questions. It's uh, Without you guys, I wouldn't be able to do this. I can't just sit here and talk about it nothing for an hour or so so it's great to have a an audience here and you guys firing through questions it um it um it it really helps i will um yeah i guess we'll call it a day tadas Anytime, mate. Anytime. I'll try and get on and do as many of these uh, live streams as possible. But um, like I said, it's pretty hard with the time difference. And um, I kind of just need to – I need to have a clear week where there's not any UFC or anything because, like I said, I like to do a lot of my work in the in the mornings. So, um, yeah. All right, we've got a question here. Vincent, just tuned in. I have a question. How do you prevent head fakes? I mean, I would assume the best way to prevent that would be if it's lower limit kind of stuff. So if it's a lower limit, then someone's going to be able to push the price in a direction that they want to very easily. But if it's bigger limits... You know, they're not going to waste their money, if you want to put it that way, on um, on moving the market in a certain direction. If it's not, it's not going to move. So, like, you know, if it's a small limit, they're going to be able to smash that market in one way and hopefully the other bookmakers react and then they can bet on those, you know, better pricings or whatever. But um, if it's a huge limit, it's going to be, one, it's harder to move the market and, two, it's going to cost you more. So. How do you prevent head fakes? I guess bet into to bigger markets. But um, it's not really something that's my expertise either. So 
um, there's probably better people you can ask this question to who experience, you know, this kind of, you know, these kind of tactics going on. So, um, yeah, cool. Let's call it a day there, everyone. Thanks for, uh, thanks for, thanks for watching, everyone. Please, if this is your first time on the channel or your tenth time, whatever, please give it a like, subscribe to the channel. Um, comment any questions if you're watching this after the fact and you couldn't ask me any questions, and I'll try and um, try and come back in and answer. Or just follow me on Twitter. That's the best way to get to me. Um, and or not follow me, but send me a message on Twitter at uh, Alex Vella underscore. Uh, and I can always answer your questions there. That's probably the best way to get in touch with me. Um, but yeah, I'll hopefully be back soon. Should be back next week with uh, with a podcast with the great Neil Shah. Been a long time since I chatted to him too. So um, yeah, look out for that, guys. But once again, thank you very much for coming on and asking your questions. Uh, it's been fun doing this again. We'll uh, yeah. Catch you guys soon.